0: Um, loved ones, uh, in Christ Jesus, uh, beloved one of Christ, uh, once again, this is your host, uh, this is um, your pastor and then your prophet, um, Dodo Henry appear Grant. Today, and today, I have a personality with me, and we are going to have a very important discussion today. And I believe that this discussion is going to bless your life and encourage you or em- empower you to work uh, in revelation. But before we start our discussion today uh our hearers we want to know who our special guest is today so without wasting much time we want to know who our special guest today in our show today can we uh know who you are
1: yes my name is brandon i currently live in ohio in the united states in a city called cincinnati and uh, i've lived here for about 15 years i'm uh actually a full-time nurse i have a little small business i would do and i have four daughters um all under six years old so my house is very busy but i had the privilege of growing up several years in uh, ghana in kasua where my family lived and so a part of my heart is still in ghana so i have a lot of good memories oh and the food Oh, if we get started on the food, it's going to be a long conversation. But I am, uh, I've found hope in Christ. And I've looked in a lot of places. And uh, if I have to talk about anything, I think that's the most important thing. Our world is so broken. Our families and lives are just a difficult situation. And this world isn't the way God designed it to be. But um, I'm glad that no matter where we live, no matter what we've been through, no matter what we're going through, we can all find hope in Christ, no matter our language or color or location. So that's a little bit about me, but I'm willing to answer more questions if you have some.
0: Well, that's great. Uh, Brandon, you told that you lived in Ghana, Kaswa, uh, so for how long? Did you live in Ghana and um, uh, how did you see Ghana? What do you learn in Ghana? Can we dive a little more about Ghana? Because I'm a Ghanaian and at least you live in Kaswa. Kaswa is in the region of Ghana. Uh, so, uh, how long do you live in Ghana? What do you see in Ghana? What do you like about the Ghanaians? What did you learn? Can you go much deeper about the, the Ghana culture or the Ghanaian culture? Yes,
1: yeah, sure. So, my, um, my family moved to uh, to Kasua when I was about five to six years old. We lived there for about four years. Uh, if you go through uh, Kasua from Accra, like you're going to the uh, Liberian camp, I can't remember the name now, but uh, the Bible, there's a Bible college on the other side of Kasua after you pass the meat market and everything. Um, so we lived there. My father was a teacher. Uh, he taught in the Bible school. It's called Evangelical College of Theology. So we lived on the campus there, but we also traveled to, I remember the local village called Opikma. Uh, we went up to Volta region. Uh, we went to uh, islands up there, planting churches, doing ministry, um, many things like that. So when I grew up, uh, all my friends are Ghanaians, you know, <laughs> So that's all I know. I wanted to be like them. I wanted to be Ghanaian. I wanted to speak tree, fante, I wanted all that. So I was very small though, and I didn't like to study. So wow. <laughs> I didn't learn the language. Wow. So, so, so,
0: so uh, can, can you speak uh, the tree language?
1: No, I can't speak tree. I can still sing many songs, you know, Ghanaian songs that I learned because music is sticks in my head easier than uh, the language. But I remember i can understand when i hear people talking tree i can okay i understand he's gonna go tell his mom something in this over here okay i understand but i could not talk back only very little back then and now i think i've forgotten but many of the worship songs in the service uh, i still know uh, (laughs) um I know these songs, you know, I grew up Oh yeah, them, yeah.
0: So. Sing that song for us. I say that you, yeah, you yeah. just anything you can sing, just give up any song you remember, Ghanaian song. I I can help you sing that song as well.
1: Oh well I didn't know I was gonna give a concert today, but <laughs> um I remember um danasi, you know uh so i grew up singing that song um cast your burdens unto jesus oh many songs brings back good memories but we came back to the states in 2002 so i've been here with my family went to a bible school and uh now i'm working and learning and uh but yeah, a lot of good memories in uh, Ghana, and I I love the music. I love the enthusiasm. You know, when you give an offering here in the U.S., you know, we, we pass around the plates. Everybody sits still. When you're a Ghanaian, they put the plate in the front of the church. You know, everyone make a line, and then everyone dance up, put their uh, offering in exuberantly. You know, giving joyfully as the scriptures say in our hearts to the Lord. So. I remember the clapping, the drums, the singing. It was just a a part of me is still Ghanaian. I'm I'm my skin is white, but part of my heart is Ghanaian, you know.
0: Whoa, that that's great. Uh so did you have a local name that they used to call you whilst you were in Ghana?
1: No, Brandon, but they also called me Kwabna. Uh because I was born on Tuesday, so
0: Wow, so uh, Abna, uh Brandon. Then I will call you uh Kwabena Brandon because Kwabana is a local naming and I think Kwabena, If you are born on Tuesday, you are called Kwabna. Mm-hmm. If you are born on Monday, you are called um I myself you are born on, on Thursday, you are called Yao, and on Friday you are called Kofi, Saturday you are called Kwisi, uh Sunday is called so I think Kwabana Brandon is a very great name. So I uh, without wasting much time uh Kwabna Brandon. So uh, we want to dive more into uh, the church, more into about Christianity and um, uh, what you've learned at least. Let, let us be global here, but before we get uh, globally and internationally, um, if you compare the church in Ghana to other uh, countries, what difference do you see and what do you think the Ghana church uh, have, have lacked or what you love about the Ghanaian church or the African church that you can see maybe in America or in Europe where you find yourself?
1: yes so um when i was in ghana unfortunately i was you know i was still pretty young i have a lot of memories but i was not as much aware of uh the teachings i guess um because i was less than 10 years old so um i think though that what i saw was uh, a lot of passion Um, in the Ghanaian church. Um, And I spoke of the music, not just in music, but in um, passion, worship, in um, faith. Many people are very strong in their faith and um, doing a lot of ministry in Ghana. And I think that's a good thing. Um, The church as a, in a global perspective, as you mentioned, is, I think, very diverse. So there's a lot, even in the United States, there's Thousands of different denominations, and so it can be sometimes difficult if we wanted to categorize or generalize the church um, and say just the church is like this or the church is like that. So there's a lot of different, um, a lot of different parts, denominations, different um, beliefs and cultures are represented. But I think that one thing the Ghanaian church has that I remember is um, passion, sincerity, and um, uh, willingness to walk in faith and to minister to others, which I think is a good thing. But I also would say that um, while we have that also in America and other countries, I think there's often uh, some things to be careful for, you know, when it comes to um, passion uh, that to make sure it's not just guided by our flesh or our desires and whatever we want, but that we stay um, We stay uh, Orthodox or according to God's Word and we don't get um, led astray by feelings or um, false teachers or things like that
0: Well, that's great uh, partner Brandon uh, So I uh, said in America, so I in the northern part of the south of America and which state are you?:
1: Yeah, it's kind of north central. um it's in Ohio, so a little bit southwest of New York. All
0: right, uh, that's great. uh Brandon. let me just the brandon uh, to be okay, the brandon is okay. So uh Brandon, I think um we have to know about this thing called the atheism, uh the eighties, and all th- those things so. so yeah, some people who don't believe in existence of god they don't believe whether there is a god they see god as a mate they see religion as a mate they don't believe in uh, anything they believe in the being back theory and all those kind of uh evolutional uh theories and kind of beliefs so w- what is your say what what is your uh mindset about the, the atheism or the 80s uh section uh, because if you come to most of american countries european countries most don't believe in god like maybe you go to Switzerland, some part of Northern America, they don't believe in God, they live their, how, their life anyhow, they, they see religion as being a kind of problem in most African countries. In some countries they believe that in most African countries, some Americans or some people believe that religion is the main reason why Africa is poor, but it's not that way. So how do you relate that with atheism and how do you compare that religion is the main cause of poverty, or let's say the main cause of, uh, let's say, um, um, let's say poverty in Africa in such a connection.
1: Hmm, yeah, that's that's a very good question. You know, um, you've talked on a, you mentioned a couple topics. So atheism is a a big topic, and poverty is also a a big topic that I. I'm familiar with being in you know ghana and seeing going into villages with no water no electricity you know the houses are made out of mud the roofs are made out of grass so i've i've seen uh i've seen poverty and even in the united states you know we have a lot of poverty a lot of people wouldn't believe uh that poverty could be in the great country of the u.s i I remember my friends in Africa would would tell me uh, my Ghanaian friends they would say uh, go into your house and uh, you give me some money. I said I don't have money. They said yes you do. You're white. You go into you have a tree in your house. It grows money on it. Go go and give us some. So we, the we perspective that everybody in the West you know has money. Um, it's not quite true. There's a lot of uh, poverty and a lot of homelessness and a lot of um, a lot of difficulties in Western countries as well. Um, I don't think religion can be related and a direct connection to poverty. And when you think about it, I think in history, Christianity and the belief in God and Christ who sent his only son, it's a belief system of wealth. Not wealth in monetary terms as far as dollars or CDs, but God gave to us something that's free and in a sense, everyone in Christianity is poor in spirit because there is no, there's no reason to follow Christ unless you need him and you're poor. But why I say it's a religion of, uh, not a religion, but a belief system of riches is because it's about God giving to us. He gives us um, hope. He gives us life. He gives us love. And us in our fallenness and our perspective of um, the world and our flesh, we think that money is the most important thing and we often use our lives and spend our lives trying to get more of it and i think that um money is not a pursuit that is very helpful in life and trusting christ as our savior is not something that also prevents you from getting money um You know, Paul said in the New Testament, whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, I've learned to be content. I've learned to make do with much and I've learned to make do with little. And so I think um, when it comes to um, atheism, the belief that there is no God, this I think is a belief system of poverty, poverty of the mind where there is no hope. There, there is no joy. There is no life. Um, there's really not much of anything. Uh, it's just you by yourself in this big world that has no purpose, that has no plan, that has no future. And that to me is poverty in the the deepest and the realest sense because there's nothing. Um, On the contrary, when someone learns to trust in Christ and they come to interact with the reality of God and his kingdom, the overflow of their life becomes like a spring of living water, like in the New Testament. You know, the people who the woman at the well, she came to Jesus with nothing but wounds and pain and poverty of spirit. She didn't have much. And she was rejected by everyone. When she came into contact with Jesus and Jesus he kind of revealed himself to her there at the well and said, uh, I know who you are. I know you have husbands. I know all about your life. But there's a day coming when you don't need to go to Jerusalem. All of God's goodness is going to be available to those who worship in spirit and who worship in truth. And what did she do after that? Well, now she had a resource, right? She had something inside of her that she ran and told everyone she could find of this goodness that she's found. And so to kind of relate the money and the belief systems together, I think uh, money is a very, it's something that's not to be chased. It's like when you chase it, it keeps going further and further and it will never satisfy a person's heart. I think Christ is the source of goodness, and of real wealth. And he fills us and becomes in us a spring of living water that doesn't just fill the cup, but you have extra overflowing. So where you're able to give to others, your neighbors, your family, your friends, it's sort of this overflow of goodness, peace, joy. Um, On the contrary, I think um, a lot of atheists have money and the, uh, you know, Sense of the uh, materialistic view of the world, but um, atheist, uh, you'll be—you have to look very far and wide to find anyone who would tell you they have peace and hope, because the worldview just doesn't allow for that. And I think the—that's the beauty of Christ—is that he—he he comes unassuming, he comes humbly, and he simply says, "Here's what I have to offer you." You give your life and take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, I'm meek, I'm lowly of heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. And that, to me, is true wealth and true riches.
0: That, that, that's, um, I think, uh, an important key element you did mention here about um, religion being um, as the main issue of, let's say, probably about the, your mindset. And uh, so, so want to just dive more deeper into this issue about um the atheist uh scenario where, where they believe that uh in the beginning I think I've not read much into those stuff, but with the little that I've learned about the, the atheism is that they they believe uh in evolution that uh there was a there was a, something like a, a big bang, like something just exploded and then. Everything was just from so uh, for me. I don't want to dive more deeper into it because in everything there is a cause and effect in everything. But my issue want to stage on where um people assume that there is no God because comparing today our discoveries, the science, uh, what science is trying to bring out, they can tell they, they can foretell maybe the future. This will happen, it will rain. Maybe in the olden days, there was nothing like those uh, scientific um, discovery. And therefore, because science is now improving, so they are now trying to say that if they're able to, to, to recover or able to, to find out certain things in this life, then it means that uh, life, that there is no God. Because even, le- let's come to reality, let's come to reality. If you check life, you see sometimes you want to experience God, you want to see God. You are praying, you can't see anybody you are praying to. Sometimes you pray, there is no answers to your prayer. You expect some kind of answer to hear God speaking to you vividly. But you cannot hear God speaking to you vividly. So in such a way, how can you relate that Christianity are not lost or Christians are not lost and therefore they are just worshipping their imagination or just a delusion that we are trying to cover up to cover maybe our fear to cover up maybe our shame to cover maybe our our inferiority so how can you prove uh let's say christianity because there are different kinds of religions out there there are thousands of religions out there islam is growing in america growing in europe in all part of northern america, africa Uh, We have several religions, the Buddhism, Shintoism, Hinduism, uh, we have the Judaism. Several religions out there are claiming to be the way of life. So how can we or how how can you prove to an atheist, how can you prove to, let's say, a Muslim? How can you prove to maybe a Buddhist? How can you prove to a Hinduist, uh, someone who is in Judaism? How can you prove that Christianity is the way of life? How how can you do that to somebody who is a realist, somebody who is a humanist, somebody who is a universalist? How can you prove to him that yes, Christianity is the only way of life because that is what Christians say that it is only uh, through Christ that we can be saved. So how do you relate in such uh, uh, questions, Kavner um, Brandon?
1: Mm. Such a good question. I I like I like how you're thinking and you're wrestling with a lot of big issues. So um, that's that's really good. I've spent some time trying myself wrestling with this and trying to understand and reconcile. And I found a few things that have been helped, a few ideas that have been helpful to me. So when you asked, when you mentioned um, how can you prove to somebody, I would say that I, I think it's a, it's, it's not a good burden to, to have to Feel that you have to prove something to someone um, there are many people who do not want to believe and that no amount of information no amount of conversation is going to convince them because God's given them a will which is the ability to choose and he doesn't override our wills you know for example he was standing before Pilate, and he was being questioned jesus and they said tell me tell me the truth tell me what you th- are you the son of god and interestingly jesus remained quiet you know that would have been a good opportunity for him to prove himself to show them all the angels that are around, to show them, uh here, look at this table. Let me turn it into some bread. You know, he could have proved right there. But he didn't. He was silent. And occasionally he would say one or two words, such as, Yes, you you say that I am. And it's very interesting that this perspective that. Jesus, while he was on the cross, wasn't trying to prove to the robbers or the thieves on either side he was the Son of God. He wasn't trying to prove to the Roman soldiers. But, interestingly, one of the robbers and one of the Roman soldiers came to believe. The robber said, please, when you... Go to your father's house and you're in paradise. Can you take me with you? You know, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but and he said, uh, You'll be with me, I'll take you. He saw the his faith, and then when he died, he wasn't trying to convince anyone he was dead. But after that, there was a reality that the Roman soldier confronted where he realized truly this was the Son of God, and so i think it's it's good to be able to communicate with people but to feel that you have to prove something to someone who might be very antagonistic and not want to believe it might be more unhelpful if you try to continue to give information and facts especially if they're not interested Um, so that's one of the things i would say um, related to your question about proving to someone and the other thing I would say to someone who is a believer is that there, one of the beautiful things about Jesus and his words, that's different than other belief systems in the world, is that he provides sort of tests or, um, uh, what's another word? Uh, he provides information that you can verify. So he said, for example, if you do this, then this will happen. Okay, so that's not just uh, words of some religious leader saying, think this thought, do this idea. He's saying, you in your life, wherever you are, if you're in poverty, if you're in riches, if you're here's what you can do. Here's a proposition. If you give up your life, Take up your cross and follow me. You will find life. And if you do those actions and you follow that path, you'll know what that means. You're going to enter, you're enc- going to encounter a reality that uh, verifies the statement. But he didn't just give one. Um, if-then statement or a verifiable statement. He gave many. Um, he, he gave, uh, there's several in the New Testament. If you give up your life, if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. If you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. Well, that's something we can all verify. And we can try. We can try to give up our life for his sake. We can trust him and see if it will actually be life. And... Um, if we um, seek first God's kingdom is another one, and his righteousness, all the things that we need will be given to us. Not all the things that we want, but all the things that we need. And so then we can test them. And if we do test them, we can then decide if what he says is true or not, which is a kind of proof um, in our own life. But to prove to someone whose will is closed or whose heart is closed, you know, like Pharaoh in the Old Testament or like Pilate or like some of the people who were in the religious leaders of the day, of Jesus' day, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, they were actively against him. And no amount of miracles, no amount of proof would convince them. In fact, he told them. You want a sign. You want a sign. You keep asking for a sign. But the only sign that you're going to get is Jonah. Who was three days in the fish and came up. That's it. Because your hearts are hardened. So no amount of proof is going to break through the hardness. Um, Just like with Christ, there's some people who look at him and say, "Ah, he died, he was crucified, and you say he rose again three days later. That's their sign. And no amount of words or actions or anything will convince them differently so there's kind of two sides to the coin the one is a personal proof where if we follow his words and trust him we ourselves will encounter the reality that he talked about his kingdom and he said i will be with you and i'm sending my comforter to be those are verifiable but we can't take those verifiable things and force them on someone like an atheist or someone of another religion who is unwilling for their mind or heart are closed.
0: Well, that's great. Uh, Brandon, uh, that is about the mind willing to accept the truth. So, so um, I, I met, I remember some years ago I was on KTU campus, go for India, technical university. I think there were some two guys from America either america or europe they came to do their research in in this university and i met them and one of them was he was a guy he was saying that he he don't believe in christianity anymore because he have read books and then uh looking at christianity he's been a christian before and therefore he doesn't believe in jesus and he has read different books so i was trying to convince him to to read more of um uh, people who came into Christianity. I told him to read several books, but he was still insisting that uh, he's not going to believe uh, in the Christian faith. So my, my, my issue is that, as, as you said earlier, that there are some people who have shared conscience, they don't want to believe it, that is to them. But there are people who want, let's say, they want to be, to be to have a kind of uh, a rational reason why they want to join because the bible says i think i forgot that i don't want to misquote the, the bible but the bible does say something that we have to prove to people we have to uh, make people who want to know about our faith we have to let them uh, know i don't want to paraphrase or misquote that scripture but there's a verse in the bible that talks that we have to let people know our faith whether they want to know much about our christian faith so my issue is that um I have friends who are Muslims. I have friends uh, who are uh, who don't even believe in Christ. Uh, I have friends who are uh, even, um, like they are leaders in some kind of religious uh, bodies. When you try to talk about Jesus Christ, they will say that, oh, Jesus said this and that, and therefore they'll try to dive the question. But my issue is that I want us to, let's, let's, let's use a kind of a rational, let's say, a, a, a responsible or a rational key to make them believe or to make them connect with our faith. Because even when you check um, the population of uh, America, I think they are, are over 300 million in Africa, we are about 1.3 billion. And if you check the northern part of Africa, most of them are Muslims. So mm-hmm. we want to know why the other religion is growing more faster and why Christianity is not growing. Because if you check uh, in, the, in the in the Bible, in the Holy Bible, you get to understand that Ethiopia, I think was what, what one of the most, uh, first African country that the Ethiopian Enoch encountered, I think Stephen, one of the, uh, either, Philip or, uh, Stephen, either Philip or Stephen, where he uh, encountered the, the Apostle of Christ and he was being taught the, the Bible. And I think when he went to his country, Ethiopia, He preached about Jesus. We we even have the Ethiopian uh, version of the Holy Bible. But today, Ethiopia is is a Muslim country. Most of them are Muslims. So what is Christians, what are Christians doing? And what has made a Christian or what has made the Islam religion to to outrun the, 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 the Christian faith? And what are the Muslim preaching that are trying to convince people into their faith? And what should, we, what should Christians do for us to, to get along in that uh, battle line? Because it, it looks like uh, the Christians are losing more ground to the other, uh, let's say, the other faith. And I don't categorize Christianity as a religion. I see Christianity as a way of life. But what I can see in reality is that the, the, the Islam faith is growing higher and higher and higher. So... Why is it happening that way? We claim that Jesus is the only way, he's the only life, he's the only way to the heavenly father. John 14 verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No one can come to the father except through me. So aside all these teachings, this biblical preaching, we are still seeing some kind of um, deformity in the Christian faith, but the other religions are always growing and growing and growing higher. today. Even in some part of Nigeria, we can see the Muslim taking important leadership position in most uh, governmental bodies. So what are we doing? What are Christians lacking? What should we do to recover our Lord's glory so that it will not be like what our fathers or the faith of our fathers did is not going to be like they did a uh, bad work. So what is lacking? What should we do? And what is the way forward? yeah
1: that's a really good question you're, you're hitting all the big points I like that your, your mind is very critical and analytical and that's good so in those big points it's very important that we dig down to the root of the problem or the situation what is really going on so one question that might be helpful to ask is if we see the Islamic faith growing is That a threat to Jesus and his way of life So that's that's a rhetorical question and I want you to follow me here. I would say that even if the Muslim faith is growing I Think God sees the situation a little bit differently From his perspective he doesn't see that so much as a threat but an opportunity because picture the Sahara Desert in North Africa right the largest desert in the world if Jesus is the way and the truth and the life then he can him and his reality and his kingdom can be thought of as a a rainforest a tropical climate with trees and plants and water and streams right and any other belief system that's not according to reality, no matter religion, uh, is sort of like a desert, kind of like the Sahara Desert would be. So let's say you get a bunch of people, using this example, who all agree together, they form a club or a religion, and they think, oh, we're going to say that this desert is the way to live here over, say, in Islam. We're going to go out into this desert, and we're going to say that this is real joy, and this is real life, and there's plants, and there's water, even though it's still a desert. Well, what's going to happen when they go out and they raise their families? Eventually, they're going to get thirsty, right? Because that's not the truth. So... They're going to live in it and they're going to convince everyone around them and they're all going to go to their mosques and they're going to do their calls to prayer and they're going to do their prayers five times a day towards Mecca and they'll take their pilgrimages. But if it's not according to the truth, they're not going to be satisfied, no matter how many people are living in the desert. And that's why I think God sees people a little bit differently than we do, because he sees a number of people who are coming to realize their emptiness in these other religions. And they will realize it eventually, whether they want to admit to it right now or not, and that we can do a lot to uh, avoid acknowledging our own hearts. But I hear stories often of people who have seen Christ come to them in a dream of the Islamic faith and other faiths, you know, people in China. i think when people pour their hearts into a religion or a a system that's empty like a desert it's dry and there's no life or no truth there they become thirsty more quickly and then that's uh, that's the one part of the question you ask of what do we do about these other religions that seem to be growing i think we have to acknowledge that their size does not represent their health or their satisfaction because anybody can join a club and before they realize oh no this isn't working uh this isn't satisfying i don't have joy i don't have peace i don't have life i don't have hope i just have a bunch of rituals and a bunch of demands and even then will my good outweigh the bad in the end i don't know that's not life that's not joy So those people have a need in their heart deep down. And as someone who is a believer in Christ, it would be good for us to look for opportunities to find and help them acknowledge that they're missing something. And then we have to ask, once we help and dig down in their life, befriend them, get to know them, see what they're missing, we then have to ask, what is it? I can offer them and i think so many times what we want to offer is a system is a a culture of belief of christianity or some ideas right that's what we want to give them but what is the real value what is the real gift what's the real treasure that the writer of the gospel said when you find it you go and sell everything you have you go into you you find a field right you find a treasure you see a treasure in the field you bury you don't want anybody else to get it you go sell everything you have you buy that field because there's a treasure there what's that treasure what is it that we have to offer others who might be empty and the answer is very simple. It's not Christianity. This is—you said it wasn't a religion, right? You don't like to think of it as a religion. Uh, so we don't—we don't offer a system. We don't offer a culture. We don't offer a building. There's only one treasure, and the treasure is Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And then, what He provides is a lot of blessings and a lot of benefits but he also demands everything and so for me one of the things that's helped me understand and wrestle with these ideas and belief in christ and atheism agnosticism all these is what what is on the table what are the options okay here's a system of islam with all these stories and there's some issues and a culture and okay, that's one option. Muhammad is one option. And what if I said Jesus next to him and compare him? Okay, here's Muhammad. Here's Jesus. What did Jesus have to say? And I find that when I compare Jesus against every other option, he always comes out on top which is why my faith and my life are living towards him and his direction. But I think this is something we have to walk through others who might not believe or are struggling to believe with and say, okay, let's, let's put your option on the table. Let's look at Islam. What, what, it, what does it say? What does it have to offer? And how, how is that working for you? Do you have joy? Do you know what joy is? Do you have hope? What's your hope? Maybe one day this or that maybe you'll be good enough. Maybe you'll have some wives up in some heaven Maybe your prophet died Right, I mean that That's kind of a harsh way of putting it and you you know, you might not be able to say that to every muslim, but There's another option and it's christ and no one has discovered any scientific Finding or fact no one has found anything that disproves jesus and the kingdom that he came to tell about he said uh god's kingdom is near the kingdom of heaven is at hand there's a reality that i'm telling you and no one has disproved it so if you're a believer you don't have to fear that someone in some religion has disproved your faith uh no one's found anything um They keep trying, and a lot of times the people who try the hardest end up believing in Christ, like Lee Strobel. uh, He was an avid unbeliever, and he set out to prove once and for all as a journalist everything wrong with Christianity and how it wasn't true. And he became a very faithful and outspoken believer in Christ that said, look, out of all the options, he stands above them all. So I know that was a little lengthy and I apologize for the length, but in these deep topics, I think sometimes we have to we have to dig down a little bit that just because uh, religion is growing, say Islam, it doesn't mean that in their hearts they're satisfied and they found goodness. That's not why it's growing. It's growing because we all want to belong somewhere and we don't want to uh, given uh, We don't want to. F- swim upstream or go against the cultural norms. We kind of want to all belong. And wherever you're around, you sort of, you know, group in, join the group. Uh, Believe, I do like everyone else. But Islam and people who are Muslims are incredibly empty because they don't have Christ. And so that's a good opportunity when talking with them or others to say, since jesus is the way the truth and the life and i have found the goodness and life in him i have to find and get them to acknowledge where they're empty and where they're lacking and where they're broken and then what i have to offer them is the treasure of christ and citizenship in his kingdom
0: Well, that's great, Uh, Brandy. you've talked a lot and uh, that's great insight and deep uh, wisdom keys out here. But I did mention that you said you did compare Jesus Christ uh, with other, uh, some kind of uh, leader. So can you share some of the things that you've really learned about Jesus that made you choose Jesus other than the other, uh, let's say, religion out there?
1: Yes. So... That's a good question. One of my favorite things to talk about. Um, first off, only one religious leader has ever risen from the dead, and that's a big—that's a big idea. You you line up, put them all on the table. Okay, you are comparing everyone: Muhammad, uh, Buddha, um, the Hindus in India—they have thousands of god maybe millions a god for everything food um prosperity health you know and they have so many gods they don't even know all of them so they all kind of they all kind of cancel themselves if you don't even you can't even name all of them how could you possibly worship all of them and how could all of them be right um there's only one that's ever died And been raised from the dead all the rest died some of them are imaginary gods and those don't even exist i remember going into a village in africa and i saw in ghana and i saw in a my father was planting churches with some of our leaders there was a stick outside of a house coming up out of the ground and it had three like uh prongs kind of like in a cold something right maybe you've seen it before and on top of these prongs outside the house was a boot like a work shoe sitting there dirty upside down on this stick and i I was like why do they have a shoe one shoe on this stick and they said oh that's their god because maybe out in this village that was one of the most uh amazing things they'd seen the biggest you know technology to make this boot or this shoe so we're going to worship that was their god um so there's some gods that don't exist the imaginary and others who claim to have existed buddha muhammad confucius and a bunch of others and they all died but only one ever claims to be risen from the dead and he didn't stop there he, he not only appeared to people but he said if you believe in me i am going to be with you so it's not just about belief or words and we just follow some blind thing the one who raised from the dead himself said i will be with you and i don't find anyone else who says anything like that and that's just one idea that's different right um The other thing Jesus said is he says some very hard, hard things to accept. And you think if you're trying to build a following of this world, of people, and you're, what do you you want to tell them? You want people to follow you, tell them how great you are, right? All the people who are in politics say, oh, I'm great. I'll give you money. I'll change the country. I will change your life. I will provide for you and I'll build and I'll this and I'll that. And they point everybody towards themselves as this, I'm so great, and you're going to be great with me. But Jesus says some very hard things that make me think, why did he say this? He's either, as a famous writer, C.S. Lewis, who was in uh, uh, England in the 20th century, he was a famous writer. He said either Jesus was a liar because he was saying so many things that couldn't possibly be true or he was crazy and i have seen uh, some crazy people in life or he was lord and some of the hard things that he says jesus says are if you want to save your life you have to lose your life so he's claiming to be from heaven and he's telling people how do you come and follow me? You give up every, everything that you know. And so these hard hard sayings. He doesn't stop there, he says a flat thing sort to the fact that it's true jesus words are true his life is true the other thing he says relate to my condition in a way that no other religious leader um, helps me understand reality he says jesus teaches that without him we're dead we're completely dead and the only hope that we have is in trust in him and he not only talks about my reality in a way that makes sense and explains and helps me understand what I'm feeling what I'm thinking and what's going on in the world but he also offers things that no one else can offer for example come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for i'm meek and lowly of heart and you will find rest for your soul so as i don't know if you've ever experienced this but as somebody who didn't have rest for a long time in life i thought is this possible can it be true everyone wants rest no matter who you talk to they all want their inside their heart so to say to be at peace and calm jesus said if you do this the calmness is going to be there You can try it. Go home. Take my yoke upon you. And then look inside your heart and see what's there. It's going to be rest. So he said these things that you can test. You can try. You can actually take a step into that reality out of trust, in trust in Christ, and then see what happens. See if God doesn't meet you there. When he says, Give up your life for me and you'll find it. Okay, you can test that. You want to have life? Give it to Jesus. Take his words, follow them and see what happens. You can test it. If it's wrong, he's wrong. You prove him wrong. Go ahead. But if you follow with your whole heart, you trust him. Watch what happens and see. And that's the the thing that one of the other things that convinced me, it's like, here's so many tests that he says. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. No one comes but through me. Okay, I have to go through him. I can't go through anyone else. Take my yoke upon you, you'll find rest. Believe in me, I am the bread of life. If you eat of me, you'll never thirst. You'll never. Your heart will not be yearning for other things when you drink and you eat of me. Test that. You can try it. It's in your own life. No one needs to be there to convince you. It's between you and Christ. So all the leaders of the world, when you line them up, they say many, many things, right? They all have their claims. Only one has ever risen from the dead. Only one tells you you must die and deny yourself. But only one also then says here is what's going to happen in this life in your hometown in your business in your job when you do this you're going to find rest for your soul you're going to find life you're going to be filled with a spring of living water coming up from inside you you can test that so then you have to then ask someone okay do you want life rest for your soul and To be filled in your heart like a spring of water of life coming out That's a blessing those around you. Do you want that if so? Jesus is the only option And for me, this was very convincing Because it didn't force me it didn't no one's telling you have to do this it said here's the choices you have a life And you must be responsible with your life which direction are you going to walk and after looking at all the directions i say well this person of jesus who is willing to leave all the power of heaven he breathed out the world out of his mouth to come to earth as a lowly poor human being To give of himself his very life's blood to give me who is completely lost an opportunity to be a son to have life to have a rest that i i never knew that is who i want to be like that's the path i want to follow if i can just get a little bit of that then I'll have something. And none of the other options look even appealing in light of Christ. So I hope that's provided some information about what's helped me and what I think could help others in their pursuit of truth.
0: That's great. Uh, Brandon, I think um, without wasting much time, you've talked a lot about your, your faith. But before we, we, we end our discussion, Abi, in a short summary, have you had a, a, an encounter maybe with Jesus or with the Holy Spirit, have you had an encounter in your personal life that you want to share with us?
1: I haven't had what encounters that a lot of people normally have, um, big encounters. For me, it's been more of a, um, a sort of a reality that is more quiet and more simple uh, in which i've sort of found all these things to be true Um, but there was a definite um, time of my life when i was searching and i was very i didn't know quite which direction to head and uh i came to understand Christ and I said um, I want to trust you follow your ways and walk with you and well there's a a very big difference that happens in our minds and our hearts when we begin to take steps of faith toward Christ and um, things just begin to change from uh, day one so to say and um my mind was sort of i had greater understanding um i had a rest that i talked about in my um my soul and um so it's not a, a big experience a lot of people have different experiences and i don't downplay those but for me it wasn't so much of a, a big experience as much as um a rest in a in a peace that i found in my heart when i came to understand and place my trust in christ
0: all right uh, uh brandon so um uh i think um we couldn't dive more deeper into our discussion but as time goes on so we are going to have you on our podcast today so uh let's say in summary what, what do you want to what last what do you want to say to our discussion what do you want to end up what I couldn't actually you want to uh, add up to our discussion today so that our hearers uh, can pick uh, something lastly uh, from you today. Okay, yes, yeah, thank
1: you. I've so enjoyed talking with you. I hope we have the opportunity in the future. Um, maybe I can visit Ghana again soon. That's part of my desires in the future. Uh, <laughs> over the course of uh, this discussion, some of the big ideas are that Despite how the world looks and other religions growing, it doesn't mean that their hearts are more satisfied. Everyone who is outside of Christ does not have uh, hope, rest, and joy, no matter what they say. Um, and the world can be a big, uh, scary place with a lot of ideas, a lot of options on the table. And no one has found anything to disprove um, that Jesus is the way the truth and the life and when you line him up against all the other options and what he offers and how he offers you an opportunity to to verify for yourself whether or not it's true he offers rest for your soul he offers joy a fountain of living water coming out from within you he offers life itself i think there's no other option on the table and so that's what i enjoy talking about what i try to point people towards um and i think the number of people who are coming to understand christ and trust him is actually growing we just don't always see it because god doesn't always he doesn't always work in the public eye he sort of works quietly behind the scenes that's why he came on a donkey that's why he came to nazareth a humble person he doesn't just because the news says all these religions are growing i think actually god's church is growing much faster and the gates of hell won't prevail against it, in fact, uh he works quietly, so that's why you don't see it in the news, but he's moving, and he's revealing himself to people, blessing, forgiving and I think that's uh that's the real news of the day. We just don't always see it
0: That's great um Brandon. Uh, having you um on the podcast today, so um, in case maybe our hearers want to find you or locate you, w- where can uh, they get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, so I'm um, I'm on uh, Facebook. I also I have a small business, but I don't think your hearers will be interested in my uh my business of washing houses since they're far away in Africa, um, but. I can send you the link um i'm on a facebook i also have a website and um i'm also writing a blog on online and i'd be happy to send you those links instead of listing everyone out right now for you um, it might be a little easier just to send them to you and if people would like to get in contact or learn more i'll be happy to happy to talk with them
0: oh, okay i think um i think most of my hair are in africa but I also i do have some i think some Americans also also connect so maybe you have some business that you can also share maybe somebody might get in touch with America or maybe any part of the world so you can share maybe the yeah. link you can just share it yeah, here yeah sure my
1: business is um, i do pressure washing so i clean houses driveways i get all the dirt off it's uh it's called cinci c i n c i like the city cincinnati cinci blue solutions.com So that's uh, my pressure-washing business website, com, And um, my personal Facebook is um, Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N with the letter N. And then my wife is, uh, her name, A-L-I-O-N-A, Alona. And our last name is Klotz, K-L-O-T-Z. And we have a personal Facebook there. We'd be happy to befriend anyone.
0: Well that's great. Um uh, Brandon uh then the Krabna is a Ghanaian local name. I added as you said you were called Kabana whilst we're in Ghana. So I think the original name is Brandon uh clothes, uh B-R-A-N-D-O-N and then the clothes K-L-O-T-Z. Is that the right spelling? Uh, um right. Brandon? Mm-hmm. Oh okay. So uh the loved ones are uh, today. Uh I have with me our special guest i believe today you've learned a lot today from our special guest today uh brandon clothes you can check on his facebook page and also check on if you're in america i think uh you can also check on his business washing business also contact him through his uh blog he i, I will share the link uh, uh under the uh, podcast so you can also connect with him as well so Once again, this is how we will end our discussion today. But before we end, we want to end our discussion with prayer. So, um, uh, Governor Brandon, uh, can you end with a prayer for us today? Yes,
1: I'll be happy to. Our Father in heaven, we come to you today very grateful for the hope and life that you give us. being in this world is difficult sometimes and our hearts are so yearning for something more and we're grateful for Christ who came and made himself of no reputation but took on him the form of a servant so that he could reach into our world and give us life would you help myself and all the listeners who are listening to this both today and possibly the recording in the future to understand the goodness that's in Christ, the hope, joy, and life that you offer that surpasses all the other options on the table? When we take a really good look. You're... As uh, the disciple said, you alone have the words of eternal life. I ask that you bless those who are hearing. Help us all on our walk through this life to look to you, the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before you endured the cross, despised all the shame of what others might say, and sat down on the right hand. And even now, make intercession for us. Bless those. Give us wisdom and strength. Fill our hearts with hope and life as we learn to trust you. And we'll be grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen, amen, amen. That is how we end our discussion today. This is your host, uh your pastor and your prophet henry do appear crown on the Isaiah discussions and uh you can check on our previous discussions and also check on our episode and get connected and become a blessing share the link on all social media channels and become a blessing uh today may god be with you and may god empower you i pray for you by the holy spirit grant you the spirit of understanding the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the things of god and may the hands of the lord come upon all our hearers wherever you are hearing us you are touched and connected